the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. You can hear the program each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and WFIL.com. Good afternoon. You are listening to the Tim DeMoss Show. AM 560 WFIL.com and on the app as well. Thanks for tuning in. How's it going? Forecast some sun. Uh, eventually, clouds taking over overnight into tomorrow for a while, then back to sun in the afternoon. Down to about 27 tonight and high around 50 for tomorrow. Sixers, a crazy win last night. They're going to be taking on Miami again tomorrow night at home. And the Flyers open their season this evening. 5.30, early start, taking on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Victoria, how you doing today? Welcome to a new... Hey there. Welcome to a new day. Doing pretty well. A new program. Uh, yeah. Exciting show today. We are looking forward to a couple of special guests joining us. But before we do that, we have the all-important Moose update. Oh, my goodness. I can't wait to hear it. Moose, our new dog. He's a cute little Labradoodle. And uh, I love the guy. I never thought I would say that. i still never seen pictures, unfortunately, but I am sure he is adorable. Really? I've never shown you pictures of Moose? You have not. I am Only the, descriptions. I am very delinquent. Well, we, <laughs> Our kids have asked for a dog for years, and finally with our caboose... As far as we know, Theodora, who's 10, we finally relented. And after a year plus search, we're brought to, and we actually prayed about the right dog because uh, there are a number of reasons for that. But we want to be a family member and we have a daughter, you know, Tori, who's disabled. We wanted to fit in there and maybe be a dog who could interact with her in a special way. We were glad to get this doggy at the end of uh, July, early, no, it was a... Uh, it was September. I think it was born the 31st of July. So he's, he's coming up on six months. And um, it my favorite part about him, there's just something about him that draws me in. So I like, like when I go home tonight, he'll come to the door. He'll wag his, his tail as fast as he can. And I like the, like, scrunching his noggin. Like, going like, like and, he, and then he turns his head to one side so I can get behind one ear. And then he turns his head to the other side so he can be on the other ear. And then when I'm done giving the, he shakes his whole body like he, like he's getting out of the shower and shaking water off. He goes like when they're giving a bath, almost like looks like that. Yeah, it's so much fun. And then uh, and then we have fun throwing things around and all that. And they're just always dogs are just always so happy. Their temperament is just always so you know joyful yeah. and you know happy, and they're so excited to see you when you come home from work, and they're so loving. We took them to the dog park too. For the first time, I did. My wife took him before, but my first experience was this past weekend. I didn't get to tell you about it, but that Make was some friends. Did he make some doggy <laughs> friends at the dog park? He did. There was a little dog named Milo, 
who oh. was, I could have, I'm telling you, he had this little dog had springs in his feet. He would jump vertically and Moose actually kind of got a little bit like, dude, chill. I'm, I'm just, <laughs> it's only my second time here. I'm exploring. And uh, this dog actually jumped over our dog. He's wow. half the size or less. He was a very excitable dog. And uh, so, yeah, anyway, it was, it was nice. To, I felt good because we have a decent sized yard, but it's not something where we, we can't let him roam free. Right. So this dog park is fenced in, gives them a chance to run around and burn some energy off and all that. And play with some doggy companions. They, they made some friends. There's actually, where we go, there's two sections. One's for the big dogs, or I guess, well, bigger. They're over 25 pounds or over. Okay. And 25 pounds and under. And Moose is under 25 pounds oh. by a little bit. He's about 22 pounds right now. So eventually, I guess he'll graduate to the other side. But there was a point where a big dog on the other side came right to the fence, twice Moose's size at least, and they touched noses through the, the chain link fence. And they were just like smelling each other's noses for about you know, 10 or 15 seconds. And like, you know, hey, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. Yeah. <laughs> nice to meet your acquaintance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then they got back to running around the mud and all that. So um, I never thought I would say I was a dog guy. I just, I find them, like you said, they're very happy. And I find myself just enjoying, I, I, I was a cat guy my whole life because I like cats. They like me. I like to lie down and just relax. I'm a dog person. Both my parents grew up with uh, multiple dogs, actually. But then when I asked for one, unfortunately, I did not get one as a kid because, you know, the responsibility part, I guess my parents thought I wouldn't be the one taking care of it. So I plan on getting one myself. Yes. Okay. Well, you know, there is that. That is a reason we did not get a dog sooner. Uh, combined with having five kids, the idea of, I get that as a parent. You don't want to just be, say, let's add the dog and then be not treating it properly. Right. Right. So, right. and they're like having another kid, you know, you got to take care of it, especially when yeah. it's a puppy like Moose is, you know, you got to, you know, take, like you said, time to train them, you know, make sure that they have, you know, they're not alone at home. There's that. Yeah. And being, fa- you know what I say to the kids, we need to be fair to Moose. It's not fair to feed him when we think about it and, uh, or let him out in the morning, you know, like, you kind of got to give him a little bit of a schedule so that he yeah he doesn't say a routine. Hey, I got to go to the bathroom. Anybody <laughs> let me out? You know, you got to really be fair. You know, imagine right. if it was you and he couldn't use the restroom for an extra two hours just because you slept in. Like right. Uh. <laughs> so that whole responsibility piece is good, and we're teaming up together. But he's been worth worth having for sure. Is a lot of fun, and uh, anyhow, I'm grateful to have him. So uh, I need to get a picture. Maybe I'll interview Moose one day. And we could put him on the podcast on our homepage. I would absolutely be delighted. Now, it would be hard to decipher. Moose. He just bark, bark, <laughs> barks at different times. You know what I'll do? Like two or three in the morning when he's barking, that I'll take my phone down and tape him and say, here's my interview with Moose at 3 a.m. <laughs> Moose, quiet. How are you feeling today? <laughs> <laughs> All right, go back to bed. Yeah. So anyhow. But Definitely you, some pictures for sure. Yes. Well, that would be my excuse to be able to include him. We're, we eventually would like to get a Facebook page together and all that sort of thing. But you can be the station mascot. For, maybe. Maybe. But for now, you alluded to something which is coming up, which is really cool. We like to, on this program, do a lot of different things with the hour. And today, we have not one, but two guests that are very, it's a very Philly show today. Yes, first, it is. We, first we have, have you've been to the Franklin Institute, I'm guessing, in your lifetime? Yes, I have. Okay. Some well, of my family members involved going to the Franklin Institute, the art museums. We, we loved that stuff growing up. Okay. Well, we have the president and CEO of the Franklin Institute joining us shortly. Wow. Yeah. His name is Larry Dubinsky. And he's going to be on because coming up in about a month, there's something called the Crayola Idea Works uh, Creativity Exhibition coming. This massive thing that'll, uh, and, th- and they just opened up again, I believe. So it'll be something you can go see in person. 
Uh, and then, uh, in addition to kind of finding out about that exhibition, a, a world record is in the making as we speak, even this afternoon. There is a young lady. Her name is Diamond Whipper Young. And she went to Tyler School of Art Temple, Philadelphia. Right nearby. That's it. Graduated. She's working on the largest drawing ever by an individual. Wow. And it's uh, over 6,000 square feet of drawing. So she's going to join the program as well and uh, tell us more about what that whole deal is about. And then we have some other things to throw your way during the program today. If you want to chime in, you're welcome to give a quick call and say hello. You're always welcome to do that if you like, 800-560-WFIL. Of course, we're in the middle of a conversation with someone. We may not be able to take a call right away, or Victoria can pick up and we can chat between interviews. But anyhow, you're always welcome to do that, 800-560-9345. Feel free to do that whenever you get a chance. In the meantime, let's keep our uh, program rolling. Quick break. Back with Larry Dubinsky from the Franklin Institute in just a moment. It's Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL. Thanks for tuning in to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast with AM560 WFIL and WFIL.com. It's 413, the Tim DeMoss Show, AM560 WFIL.com. And on the app, thank you for hanging out today. So coming up, in about a month, there's a special exhibition going on at the Franklin Institute, the Crayola Idea Works Creativity Exhibition. And part of that has to do with uh, a, a world record going on as we speak by a young lady named Diamond Whipper Young. She's working on the largest individually you know, created uh, picture, if you will. Over 6,400 square feet. We're going to chat with her a little bit later on in the hour, but before we have a conversation with her, we are glad to bring on board the president and CEO of the Franklin Institute, Larry Dubinsky. Larry, how you doing? Doing great. Doing great. The Institute is back open, and we're just excited to be open for this community. Yeah. we. I was going to ask you about that. Of course, uh, the, the big news about the, uh, the Crayola Idea Works exhibition coming up next month, and as a lead into that, uh, a little bit of a, a little bit of a project going on. This, this special drawing going on. What, share about what's happening today, and and uh, and then as well, what's happening with the uh, exhibition next month. Yeah, we'll do. Well, right now we're in the process of working to break the world record for the largest drawing by an individual. The drawing is approximately sixty five hundred square feet. The current record stands at about sixty one hundred square feet. And we've enlisted the help of a Philadelphia art teacher and artist, Diamond Whipper Young, to showcase some of her creative energy that really brings this city to life. I love that. I love that. And, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Keep going. Yeah, I mean, Diamond's been working since Monday, and she'll work all the way through Friday, okay. at which point we'll submit all the official documentation to Guinness for certification. Yeah. And what's great is the drawing itself represents some of the artistic designs found within this upcoming Crayola Idea Works exhibition, which opens next month here at the Franklin Institute. Okay. Yeah. The word Crayola, obviously, uh, certainly a household name for years, and everybody's got their crayons all over the markers and everything else. Uh, yeah. Talk about that, the, the design. I mean, 6,500, you said square feet, massive. What went into, you know, what, what does it look like? Or is there lots, it's kind of hard to describe maybe, but... Uh, what went into designing what's going to be taking up that space? 
Well, in the exhibition or, or the, the drawing? I'm the, sorry. Well, starting with the drawing that, that Diamond's working on. Yeah, and then, and then absolutely. So, yeah, so Diamond's 6,500 square feet drawing really embodies what will be in the exhibition. Okay. And so what you'll have there is art that she has created, and uh, it, it really focuses on some of the areas that will be in the exhibition, and that includes air, water, and land. And so you'll see that. You'll see buildings, you'll see um, things that would be in the ocean and the water, and then as well as things that are in the air, such as clouds and, and planets and sun and things along those lines, all brought together within this square foot footage. Okay. And then the, as far as the creativity exhibition itself next month, uh, what's what, what's that like? As best as you can describe, I'm sure. Yeah, it is. You know, one, obviously, you expect it's going to be colorful. It's going to be 20,000 square feet. It's really the next evolution of Crayola ingenuity, and it's different. You know, if you think of the Franklin Institute, we are the North American leader for traveling exhibitions, and this, again, is a world premiere, and this is a state-of-the-art experience that really will inspire visitors of all ages to expand their creative thinking skills through a multitude of imaginative and exciting activities. You'll get an RFID band as you do each of these activities. You're really pushed to be creative. You work to do problem-solving throughout. And in the end, you'll get a personalized summary of your strengths are revealed through this wristband that you'll be wearing throughout the experience. So it is really kind of an exciting part. And it's, it's one of those skills that we all are, we all need. And that's, you know, creativity and problem solving. And that's what this exhibition will teach. Larry Dubinsky is our guest. He's president and CEO of the Franklin Institute. And uh, along with that, a lot of responsibility, I'm sure. I'm thinking two things. If I'm you, I'd want to know. Uh, one is... The, the the Guinness Book World uh, book, uh, book of World Records as far as the drawing that Diamond's working on, how do you make sure that that's actually a world record? And after the fact, they're like, oh no 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 no, she was supposed to do this, and you forgot that one part. Is there a lot of that you have to make sure all the I's are dotted and T's are crossed? Well, we brought in surveyors to make sure that obviously the canvas is what it needs to be and okay. following the rules, and then we will send those to Guinness, and it'll take them a little bit, and then they will hopefully certify that. Okay. And, uh, you know, obviously we followed all the procedures to make sure that uh, the Diamonds drawing will hopefully be in that and be the Guinness Book of World Record um, holder. That's neat. Um, That's very neat. That's really cool. And, and unlike the exhibition you mentioned that comes out, I guess, the 13th of February and, and for a little bit beyond that, her drawing all bl- is all black, right? Black and white. I mean, just one that's, color. That's right. I mean, interesting is that, you know, she's using these Crayola markers to draw this exhibition. It is all black and white. Um, and just amazing to see her and her inspiration. I mean, I think, you know, for us to have a Philadelphian who's also a teacher kind of lead this process, you know, showcase to her students in the region. And it's a one example of what an artist can do in creativity and candidly, hopefully, to inspire all of us who are artists in one way or another um, in the region when this exhibition opens up. I love that. Uh, you know, also the other thing I'm thinking, if I'm you, the fact that it's the world premiere of this exhibition must be pretty special, but a lot of responsibility, too. To You know, it's not like you have a – it was in other cities first, and now you learn from things that they had trouble with, perhaps. You have to get it right, right out of the chute. That's exactly right. And, you know, one of the great things is the team here at the Franklin Institute, candidly, is the best in the world at working on these exhibitions. And so we know once we get it open to the public, um, even in these COVID times where safety will absolutely drive it, the experience for folks 
no matter what their age, to both learn, enjoy, and have fun will all be part of what they'll be able to enjoy. And uh, we'll be ready to go on day one on that February 13th with this exhibition. Larry Dubinsky is the president and CEO of the Franklin Institute. The 13th of February is when the Crayola Idea Works Creativity Exhibition opens. Uh, is there? I'm guessing there's a set run for it. Things come and go. What's the window for folks? Yeah, so they should, you know, as soon as possible. We'd love to have them on February 13th, and it'll run through midsummer. Okay, that sounds great. And then uh, do you anticipate, is it exclusively in person? Is there that virtual piece that may or may not come into play? Yeah, you know, the Institute obviously pivoted when we had to go digital and the museum was closed. Crayola, while there'll be some experience online in terms of creativity and perhaps programs along those lines, the exhibition really is enjoyed here in person at the Institute. Yeah, I can imagine it would be. How long have you been uh, connected with the, with the Institute? Been here over 20 years and wow. has been their CEO for uh, about six and a half years. Wow. How did you come to, uh, out of curiosity, you hear all kinds of stories, how people get to the jobs that they do. What led you to, to the job that you're doing? Yeah, you know, I'm very fortunate. I, you know, I had begun my, my work in, in fundraising and raising money for health and human service organizations and yeah. had the opportunity to come to the Franklin Institute to raise money for science and education um, and for this great cultural institution. And, uh, you know, took a little detoured path as I was a business lawyer as well and spent some time in the private sector. But what I missed was the mission. What I missed is those yellow school buses lined up with kids coming in every day mm. and families coming together to learn and how important science and technology is. So I came back to the Institute after a, a short stint away at a law firm um, and haven't looked back ever since. And, yeah. Yeah. you know, clearly if this year has taught us anything, it is the importance of science and the importance of getting that information out there so that people have the facts to make informed decisions. And, you know, every day I just feel so lucky to be here and leading this great institution. Well, it really is. I remember going to the Franklin Institute as a you know, number of times growing up. It has been a while since I've been there. And I was just thinking also for those who might be in that boat, not just this past year, but maybe they, they did it when their kids were younger or whatever, and maybe they're like, oh, there's the building, but I just don't have a, as pressing a reason to step in because maybe they went there because of their kids. What's, like, what's in store these days, in, even beyond the exhibit itself that's coming, and you know, maybe some of the stuff that's similar to years past versus things that have changed and, and the way that Franklin does business, so to speak, or you know, presents things? Yeah, no, I appreciate that question. You know, some of the old favorites that you remember, which have been updated, right? So you have our train exhibition. You have the giant heart and a help exhibit around the heart. You have a the planetarium, which is still one of the favorites and is still open right now in a socially distanced way. Um, but then you have some new favorites. You have an exhibition on the brain and neuroscience, which won an award for the best exhibition of the year a couple of years ago, hmm. which really deeps into neuroscience and brain science and, again, for all ages. We have a great exhibition, obviously, on electricity. When you have something with Ben Franklin, you obviously have to have energy and electricity. Yeah. And additionally, you have you know, the environment and the changing earth around us, and you have an exhibition on that. Just a few of the examples. We also have a new um, smaller pop-up exhibition on AI, so people can really look into that as well. Artificial intelligence, a big topic right now. But we have right now 11 different exhibitions open. So no matter if you're old, you're young, you're here with the family, you're here with the 
small group, there are things for you to do and learn. And I think, again, what the Institute does better than anybody is that, you know, it makes science fun, and it's a great outing, but one where you're also going to walk away learned and and inspired. Yeah. Larry Dubinsky, kind enough to hang out with us for a few minutes. He's the uh, president and CEO of the Franklin Institute and uh, the upcoming uh, Crayola Idea Works, the Creativity Exhibition, February 13th and beyond. Uh, I'm just also thinking, you're, you know, you're talking about that that coming up soon, but you're thinking even bigger picture because obviously the Franklin Institute is, is very well known. If I'm not mistaken, it's going to be celebrating a, a really big birthday not too long from now, right? A few years from now? That's right. Uh, already some, uh, I'm guessing you've got to even start mapping that sort of thing out too. We do. You know, our 200th anniversary is in 2024, and we are looking at, you know, what new exhibitions to bring to the Institute, what new programs to bring. I think the world continues to change, and science and technology at the forefront. So the Institute continues to say, you know, what listen to our visitors out there. What does this community need? And we will be there to continue serving them for, you know, centuries to come um, but, and take that responsibility really well. I mean, I think, you know, in the end of the day, what we've done since 1824 is educate and inspire this community. Um, and, you know, that as we look to, you know, 2024 and beyond is, is what we'll do. We'll make will create new exhibitions and programs that address some of the most pressing issues here in this community. Yeah, it sounds like a super gratifying job for you to be. It's one of those deals where you come home and, you know, tell you tell the family what the day was about. <laughs> I'm sure you got plenty to talk about around the dinner table. Yeah, so. I am, you know, I am so fortunate. I'm, there's just no doubt about it. To be a cultural icon, to help with the economy here, but also to help people learn about science and technology. There's there's no better job. You know, just one quick kind of an offshoot question from before. Uh, how much would you say at the Franklin Institute is evergreen ongoing? It's, you know, and because and, things come and do come and go, but is if they put a percentage on it or whatever that is something that whether you come now or you came a few years ago or you come a few years from now, that, that are there's kind of a benchmark for what, what the Institute's about and then adding other pieces coming and going. Is that... Yeah. You know, I think one of the great things you're going to continue to see is just constant change with our exhibitions. And even as we develop new exhibitions, there will be a percentage of every exhibition that's ongoing changing because we know people want to know what's new, what's out there. So we'll continue to do that. Some of your iconic favorites will still be here. The Giant Heart will still be here. The Train will still be there. But exhibitions around those will continue to change to hit some of those important parts of science. And then again, as really what I would say, the worldwide leader in bringing traveling exhibitions, you're going to see some phenomenal traveling exhibits coming to the Franklin Institute over the next several years, as we've continued to do for many years in the past. That's great. Larry, it's great to make your acquaintance, and thanks for taking time today, and uh, congratulations on all the stuff going on. Thank you. Really appreciate your time, and look forward to welcoming visitors to the Franklin Institute. Uh, FI.edu, if I'm correct, as far as the website, folks want to look into it, right? That's exactly right. Lots on there, what we're doing now, but also there's great programming digitally that you can Look at fi.edu as well. Very good. Have a great rest of your day, Larry. Thank you so much. Thank you. I right, really bye appreciate bye. it. Yeah, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Larry Dubinsky, president and CEO of the Franklin Institute. They have the Crayola Idea Works creativity exhibition starting the 13th of February. And in just a little bit, we're going to be chatting with a young lady. Her name is Diamond Whipper Young. She is working on something that will be part of that whole exhibit that will be, should she successfully complete her assignment, if you will, a world record. We'll chat with her about that in just a little bit. You're listening to the Tim DeMoss Show, AM 560, WFIL.com, and on the app. Have a guest you'd like to hear on the Tim DeMoss Show on AM 560, WFIL? 
Email D at WFIL.com. It's 4.30 on the Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL. Sunshine, the balance of the afternoon. Clear skies, at least for a while tonight. Clouds overnight, loads on 29. Kind of cloudy first part of tomorrow. Some sun in the afternoon. High 50. Sixers 137-134 of Miami in overtime last night. Joel Embiid with a monster night, 45 points, 16 rebounds. Danny Green, 29 points. They're home tomorrow night again against Miami at 7. In the meantime, the Sixers opening their, uh, sorry, the Flyers opening their season tonight at home against Pittsburgh. Coming up at about an hour from now. Vic, are you, uh, you work for the Eagles, so is, is football your... Number one sport, if you had to pick? Actually, it's pretty much a toss-up. I would say baseball and football are number one okay. as far as my favorites to watch. Okay. You, baseball but, might have the slightest edge, but I also really love football. Why do you love baseball more, would you say, if you did? I just love watching. I know some people think it's boring and slow, but I personally like the individual bat, uh, battles between the hitter and the pitcher. Okay. That's and good. you know some great plays in between, great catches, you know. Sure. So I like baseball. I would agree with you. Also, because I played baseball, I never played football. Really? Yeah. So I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying I was a great player, but I, I understand. I can appreciate it differently than I never played football, never played hockey, street hockey. But I think you can maybe gravitate towards something that you've experienced, whether you did very well at it or not. Right. So, so some that. people think it's very slow, but I, I really enjoy watching baseball. I always well, have. And in Major League Baseball, I know the Phillies have worked at trying to speed things up, and even the rules in the game are changing between innings. There's like a three three minutes, I think it is, or two and a half yes, have, between and innings I, yep. to pace things. I like the fact that baseball's open-ended. I cover the teams for a lot of years, like three of the four teams. I've never covered a Sixers game. But the Flyers games were always very predictable. You start at 7, they're over at 9.42. Like, almost with almost within five or ten minutes. Unless there's some overtime. Correct. You know. But a ball game out. could be less than two hours. It could be four hours. It could be a rain delay. I like that unpredictability. Very true. Personally. Makes it unique. Yes. Well, uh, we had Brian Smith, who is the manager of, of uh, media and broadcasting services for the Flyers, on with us about a week ago to talk about, among other things, there are no fans at the game tonight. And if you've ever been to a Flyers game, I've been to a few, it's loud. And then it's really quiet. And you can hear the puck being passed around. Then it's loud. It's really hard to replicate, you know, because with Phillies games this summer, different ballparks are piping in some noise. It doesn't seem too far-fetched, right? But with a, a Flyers game, it's going to be so loud. You're like, well, how do you fake that? Or I mean, you could. But uh, so anyhow, I asked him about the whole idea of the, the presentation. Uh, they do hope to have fans at some point, but not just yet. So I asked Brian uh, on the program, Brian Smith from the Flyers, uh, what that's going to be all about for folks who are watching at home for the game against the Penguins tonight? Well, it's actually being supported at a league level. Okay, um, and it's, it was done so they did so in the uh, in the bubble for return to play. The NHL is pretty fortunate in that we had a, a pre-existing relationship with EA Sports, where they, uh, you know, as, as video game technology advanced and as they improved their product, they actually started coming out to the buildings over recent years and literally recording. Um, the sounds of the game, hmm. taking actual live samples. So if you sit down and you play any um, NHL EA game from the last three to four years, um, you know it is uh, created with authentic sounds from each individual building. I remember them coming in one day a few years ago with a a, a recording setup that you would think would be. Uh, excessive for recording the goal horn, but that's what they did. They mm. came in and they placed microphones at places all around the building 
and they set off our goal horn, and they recorded it. So that recording is what plays in NHL 19, 20, 21, whatever you might have. That's what plays when you score a goal if you're playing as the Philadelphia Flyers. So what interesting was the NHL was able to work with EA to get all of those sound files and put them in a uh, system where they could use them during the games. So wow. when, uh, we, when we were playing Montreal and the Flyers scored, they were able to play our goal horn. Um, they were able to play when we were home. Yeah. They were able to play actual crowd chants from our building from the past. If, uh, if there was a shot on goal and um, it, was, it was a scoring chance and it didn't go in, yeah. and they play that oh sound, well, that <laughs> oh sound, was actually an O sound recorded from the Wells Fargo Center during a Flyers game as opposed to what have you, a, a generic O sound. I love so, that. Um, That's great. So, so they're, they're able to use those throughout the league to um, you know, create as authentic a fake crowd experience <laughs> right. as they possibly can. Um, so that has been one thing that has been beneficial since obviously nobody saw this coming. There was no time to would have been no time to pre- prepare for this by recording them in advance, right, but right. through the EA project, they already had everything, so they've been able to utilize those to uh, to, to try to enhance that a little bit. Again, that's Brian Smith, the uh, Director or Manager of uh, Broadcast and Media Services for the Flyers, who joined us last week. The full podcast of our time with him and all the other programs we do on our homepage, WFIL.com. Help yourself to those Anytime you like. Uh, one of the other ones you'll find there, speaking of sports and contesting as well that we've been doing, Daryl Strawberry, who played for the Mets and the Yankees, Dodgers, Giants. He won the World Series uh, four times. He was an eight-time All-Star. And uh, he also has a book that we've been giving away. The contest concluded at midnight last night. It's called Turn Your Season Around. And uh, it's about what God can do in your life when you give your life over to him. If you're new to the radio station, we believe uh, that, you know, the best way to live life is uh, under God's direction and lordship. And we, uh, we have kind of our theme verse for the program is John three sixteen. It says, For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And to that uh, end, this program tries to reflect that. Uh, some of the folks that we have on the program talk about their faith. Some we don't get into that particular area. It's not what the, that's all about. But uh, we hope that this show would reflect kind of like if I walk out the door here in, uh, in half an hour or so, uh, you know, how would life be lived? And so sometimes you have opportunities to talk about things along those lines. Other times uh, you don't, or maybe you just have a little bit of a conversation. You get to know folks and all that sort of thing. So anyhow, when we had Daryl on, this was just before Christmas, he talked about the book and he had some really cool things to say. I want to play that clip for you here and also just give you a heads up. We're looking forward to Diamond Whipper Young joining us. She's a local artist. She's an art teacher and went to Tyler School of Art in Philadelphia with Temple. And um, she's working on a world record. We're going to talk with her about that in a few moments. But before that, let me just play a clip for you from the conversation with Daryl Strawberry. This was uh, the 23rd of December, the home, a podcast that as well on our homepage. This is about Daryl's life. He, he had all kinds of problems in his lifetime, drug abuse, jail time, many other things, almost was ready for life to be over. God got a hold of him, and, and a lot of great things are happening. So this is Daryl Strawberry, who joined us just before Christmas. You know, most people know me from a public standpoint, public perception of being a baseball player and having trouble, but having all these troubles and issues. But it started way before that, before I ever put the baseball uniform on. You know, my father was a raging alcoholic, came home for the last time, pulled out a shotgun when I was 14, saved the show, killed the whole family because he was drunk. And me and my brothers went into action, and, you know, we were about to kill him that night. Had it not been for my mother getting us out the house, it, it should have been a tragedy in my life before I ever 
put a uniform on. So brokenness is real, and lawlessness brings about brokenness, and I was broken. And I always tell them my pain led me to my greatness, but my greatness would eventually lead me to my destructive behavior. And what I mean by uh, my pain, the pain of who I was, the wounds and the scars I had led me into being great to show my father, to make a point to him that I wasn't going to be what he said I was, nothing. And I go on to be a Major League Baseball player and play Major League Baseball for 17 years and achieve all these great things, uh, Rookie of the Year, eight-time All-Star, four-time World Series champ, accumulate uh, fame, fortune, and privilege my whole life, live behind community gates, but still empty on the inside. And it never filled the empty void that was on the inside because that empty void on the inside, it's like King Solomon said in the book of Ecclesiastes, only it's a shape for only God, that God can fill the empty void on the inside of every last one of them, not just me, but you and everybody else that has that same empty void, and we search for it, we try to fill it with so many things, and that's what it was with me. I tried to fill it with so many things. You know, just a typical lifestyle of a sports athlete. You have everything, but at the end of the day, you have nothing, because if you have earthly things and don't have Jesus, you have nothing. And you know why? You, and people say, well, why do you say that? Go read the book of Ecclesiastes about King Solomon. He was the richest, wisest, and the most knowledgeable man in the land of Jerusalem. And he goes on to say it's meaningless under the sun without God. You know, it's so meaningless to, uh, to be successful and, ha- and achieve all this stuff and not know God. And that's what it was for me. I, I had all things that everybody looked thought should be good and, and should have been off to the sales, you know, into the Hall of Fame. And, yeah, maybe if I didn't have the troubles, I probably would have had that kind of career. Uh, but I'm glad I had the troubles because if I didn't, I would have made another $70, $80 million, and I would have never met Jesus. So I ended up taking the right track. It didn't look like it for so many, but God had it mapped out. And I'm so grateful that he had it mapped out this way. And, and the reason why I say that to him is because when I was a heathen and when I was rich, a womanized, alcoholic, drug addict, sinner, my mother was laying on her face praying for me in the midst of all that that God would knock me off my throne and save me. We found a journal under her bed that, that had a book full of prayers for all of us. She was just constantly praying to God to save us and didn't care about my career. She cared about me having salvation. And she went home to be with the Lord at the age of 55, terminal breast cancer. And her prayers came to pass. And I sit here and I'm the man today. I'm so grateful for the prayers of my mother. But had it not been for her prayers and my wife, Tracy, you know, in my times of days of loss and her pulling me out of dope houses, in South Florida and saying, God has a plan for you. And I said, why don't you let God just leave me here and let me die? And she said, you're just not that lucky. So God put two women in my life to orchestrate his plans to bring me back to be rescued and redeemed and restored. That's Daryl Strawberry, author of a brand new book that released yesterday, Turn Your Season Around. We gave away copies of that, and uh, we have more contests that are cooking. So keep an eye on that in our contest page at WFIL.com. And again, the podcast that he spent the whole show with us, uh, a lot of great stuff that Daryl had to say, right on our homepage at WFIL.com. Feel free to subscribe to the podcast. Type in Tim DeMoss Show wherever you get your podcast and make it easy on yourself to receive that if you like. Quick break. We're bringing on Diamond Whipper Young in just a moment. Looking forward to that very much as she's working on setting a world record right in Philadelphia. Back in a second, Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL. Live and local. It's the Tim DeMoss Show, weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Our podcast continues. It's 443, almost 444, the Tim DeMoss Show, AM 560 WFIL.com and on the app. Coming up in about a month, 
a special presentation happening at the Franklin Institute, the Crayola Idea Works Creativity Exhibition, and a very important part of that, a world record in the making, Diamond Whipper Young is working on this massive project, and uh, joining us now is to talk about it is the one and only Diamond Whipper Young. Hi, Diamond. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. My producer, Victoria, is joining me. Hi. Okay, great. Hi. How are you? Well, thanks. Hope you are, too. We're so excited to hear about your drawing. Thank you. Yeah, I'm excited to uh, get through with it. <laughs> Diamond, <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> By well, a long project. So Diamond's joining our program, Diamond Whipper Young, and uh, you are... You are close to completing what will be a world record should it all come to the way, you know, the way you think about, it, you know, where it's supposed to land. Um, share a bit about the project and, you know, uh, where you're at. Do you have, is your hand cramped up at this point? What's going on? You know, all right. So we're about 60%, 65% deep. So I'm feeling pretty confident because everybody's asking me, like, are you going to finish? Are you going to have enough time? I'm like, could you imagine getting the opportunity to break a world record and not finishing. Like, <laughs> that is not an option. So my current, my hands isn't cramping, but my thighs are burning. I bet. A lot of squatting that I did. <laughs> it's probably a workout. <laughs> yeah, hopefully it'll pay off. So. <laughs> well, talk about the project itself. It's, of course, part of the uh, the upcoming Crayola project uh, and the, the presentation, the idea works, the uh, creativity exhibition next month. And this is a huge piece of it, literally 6,400, 6,500 square feet, right? Yep, it's 6,450 feet. Okay. So yeah. right wow. now, everything that I'm doing reflects the idea works exhibition. So it's really about, like, igniting creativity in everyone. Everybody knows that person that says, I'm not creative or I'm an educator myself. So you have students and kids saying, I, I can't do art. But that is what we're trying to prove. Everyone can be creative. So on this big canvas I have, we're going through a journey of land, sea, space, and really uh, reflecting different things that are going to be uh, shown at the Franklin Institute. Diamond Whipper Young is our guest. Um, she's exhibiting that creativity. And you, I, my understanding is you went to Temple, right, in the Tyler School of Art. So it's neat to see this huge world record project happening right where you went to school in your own backyard. Yes, T.U. I was homecoming queen, so I represent the owls. <laughs> fight, fight, fight for the cherry and the white. I went to Penn State, yes. but I still know the theme song, so that's all good. Oh, y'all are all right. Y'all are all right. <laughs> <laughs> Diamond, talk about um, – you're, so you're using – so this big – I'm thinking – okay, so I'm thinking when I – when I in our house, we have five kids, and we have a lot of birthdays. So I like making birthday signs, creativity, drawing mm -hmm. lots of colors and angles, make things look like a baseball card, whatever it is. But – if I realize, oh, I made the letters too big, crumple that paper up, start over. Not so with this project you're working on. How much did you have to sit down and really map out and realize, you know, you can't run off the page here or, or, or draw too small and realize, wait, uh, I got a lot of space left over here. How, how much time did you have to plan to map it out, scale it and all that? Yeah, you know, that would, would actually be one of the most difficult things is the fact that I am creating a landscape. So the scales and the measurements was the most time-consuming thing because the past two um, world record holders did basically just um, 
like random shapes, but it wasn't a composition. Yeah. So um, this one is definitely has its challenges, and I'm doing it with a permanent Crayola marker, so no mistakes <laughs> at all. But the good thing in art, there are no such thing as mistakes. So that's what I live by. Anything can be fixed. But um, yeah, it's it's a huge composition. So that's one of the more difficult things. But the good thing is I've been confident throughout the project. So um, luckily the team, really it happened quickly. They reached out to me last Monday, and I literally started this Monday. But in between wow. those seven days, um, they were really good with including me and um, considering my feedback on how we should go about the project. Diamond Whipper Young is our guest. She's working on a world record, which your work, is there a definite goal? Do you have to be done by a certain time, or can you work an extra day or two if you have to? Well, so right now it's Friday, and it kind of has to be done because this painting, uh, excuse me, not painting, drawing, is the entire size of the room where the exhibition is going. Okay. So after Friday, they literally have to roll this up and set the exhibition up. So um, wow. definitely time crunch, but definitely going to get get there. So. Well, we don't want to keep you too long then because I'd hate for you to miss the record because you spent too much time talking with us. But we do want folks to, to know about it because it's a really neat opportunity right here. Uh, and next month, again, the, the Crayola Idea Works Creativity Exhibition kicks in February 13th. FI.edu for more information on that. You had some practice, though, I would think. And not just like you went from drawing or painting something like normal size, you did some mural work too along the way. So that would, I think, be a good practice, at least with scaling, nothing else. Yep, the, the difference between that is murals are team effort. So in order to break this record, in the small print, it says by one individual person. So wow. <laughs> that's the biggest difference here. Speaking of one, you only have one tool, the Black Crayola marker, and I'm thinking... That's an advantage in one way, maybe, because you can't overthink and have to choose what color should I use here. But on the other hand, is there a disadvantage to it? Or talk about the having just one tool to work with. Um, it's an advantage, right, because I don't have to worry about color. But um, a disadvantage is that um can't erase once it's down. So that makes me plan way more than I'm used to painting. I'm, I usually... Uh, do oil paintings and sculptures, so very forgiving materials. But this thing is like, once you make that mark, that's the mark. <laughs> white paper. So. <laughs> no hiding, right? Yeah, right. at all. Yeah, no, that's great. Well, talk. Are you getting? Are you getting any sleep? Are you sleeping on the canvas and just kind of wake up in the morning, and keep going, or what? Believe what is that? No, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, you know, I sit cat naps. In here and there, I did treat myself to a massage okay. last night because, you know, got to take care of the tool. But I was right up at 3 o'clock this morning, bright and early back here um, at the institute. So I'm used to working. I, my thing throughout the thing is I'm listening to my body. I'm going to get it done, but when my body has energy, I use it. But when it says sleep, I <laughs> that's so. well that's smart of you that's smart of you folks just yeah. tuning in diamond whipper young is our guest she uh, went to school at uh, temple tyler uh, tyler school of art temple and is an art teacher too right so you graduated and, and you get to do this every day it's not this every day but you get to be a teacher so <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah. So that's great. So in, in, in the area. And then um, along with that, working on this world record in conjunction with Crayola Idea Works, the creativity exhibition, which is February 13th at the Franklin Institute. Uh, I'm also thinking that the material you're working on, what, what's that canvas like to, to sustain? I'm thinking if it's 6,450 square feet for that to actually, you know, is there anything special about it? Have you worked with it before? Oh, um, no, the interesting thing is it's made out of Tyvek. So I've heard this material to build houses. It's extremely durable. Okay. But it also is like a sponge when it comes to the mark. So I find myself having to uh, go over certain lines. But the good thing is very, very durable and very thick. And there's been a lot of socks on here. So it's uh, been able to withstand that. So I actually enjoy this material. Talk about this too, Diamond. We'll just get back to work, and and hopefully, you know, uh, we don't take too much of your time. But the the um, the whole idea of creativity, right, is a huge thing, and why you're working on this. Just share about your experience growing up as a kid, and because um, I think you said something really important that's helpful for people, whether they're young or older, and they might not feel very creative. What you could do to encourage someone to say that they can be. And, and did you have that experience growing up? Uh, some people are more obviously you know, certainly kind of gifted in certain ways, but that doesn't mean you don't have to be you know, an amazing uh, cartoonist or great with, with the brushes or whatever to still enjoy creativity. Yeah. So um, one thing that I really resonate with this um, exhibition is they constantly are reminding you that everything you do almost is creative, creativity from problem solving if you got dressed in the morning, you put that shirt with those pants, whether you like it or not, you created an outfit. So um, for me, I um, grew up in Baltimore, and I was fortunate enough to go to art schools from middle school to high school. So at the age of 11, I began practicing fine arts, which led me to sculpture, which is really my favorite medium. But before then, I was fixing it. <laughs> yeah. I was no more... Uh, a mini Picasso than the next average fifth grader. The difference is I was determined and I stuck with it and, uh, and practice made perfect. So, okay. Now that's great. That's good to know. And, and is there, do you do, I know like when I was in high school, my art teacher actually wound up having a gallery. He was, uh, I guess in his, Actually, you know, when you're younger, you think your teachers are really old, but they're not. Yeah. I, I think he was probably in his 20s, actually, when he was teaching us, but he felt like he was, you know, 45 or something. Um, uh, but do you do do you do work separately, too? Like, is there a place people on Instagram, people can look up your work or something? Do you, do you care about that sort of thing, or do you keep it more in-house? Yeah, so I'm a very uh, outgoing, extroverted artist, like I know many aren't. So um, right now, after this, I do a lot of custom there's a lot of commissions for loved ones, holidays, okay. but I'm going to cut back on that, and I'm really going to start um, a series after this of sculptures really based around joy, specifically black joy, because I feel like this is important, me being a teacher, but also being a young black woman, like inspiring other, you know, people. Like yeah. when I was younger, if I saw someone like me doing something like this, I would literally my head would explode. I would be so <laughs> amazed and inspired. So I think um, my next work, I really want to be intentional about um, just bringing out the joy, bringing out, bringing out the playfulness. So um, that's what I'm excited to be working on. My website is www.dwhppart.com. That's dwhp, 
without the I. Just try to shorten my name. Yeah. And you can also find me on Instagram at my name, Diamond. That's D-Y-Y-M-O-N-D-W-Y. So Diamond W-Y on Instagram. Oh, that's great. That's great. Diamond, it's great to make your acquaintance. And thank you for taking time with us today. I hope you enjoy the rest of your world record-breaking pursuits there. Can't wait to see what it looks like. Yeah. Thank you. I enjoyed talking to you. All right. God bless you. Have a great rest of your day. All right. You too. Bye-bye, Diamond. Bye. Diamond Whipper Young joining us on the program. Quick break. Wrap things up in just a moment. Listen to the Tim DeMoss Show and WFIL. You're listening to a podcast of the Tim DeMoss Show. Heard weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. It's 457, The Tim DeMar Show. Fun program, Vic. Did you have a good time listening in? Yes. Yeah, it was nice to make Very that. Very interesting and always great to have new people on the show that you've never had on before. That's it. And well, and if Diamond sets this world record, that'll be so much better for, you know, okay, hey, we know a world record holder. And it's there's someone from our area. That's right. Uh, Diamond Diamond went to to Temple and a local art teacher currently in the process of creating the world's largest drawing by an individual, 6,450 square feet. Prior to that, earlier in the hour, we're also thankful to Larry Dubinsky, who's president and CEO of the Franklin Institute, where this Crayola Idea Works Creativity exhibition uh, opens up on the 13th of February. So nice to chat with both of those folks, make their acquaintance. A podcast of our program will be on our homepage before too long. And tomorrow, just picking a quick peek ahead, Michael O'Brien, former new song lead singer and solo artist, also part of the Deeper Faith Alaska Cruise, going to be joining us and much more. Other surprises or plans? Tune in, call in if you can. In the meantime, thank you for listening. Have a wonderful evening. Jim Maxim, Acts 413 Ministries, leads in prayer next. Have a great night. Thanks for listening to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. Feel free to tune in to the full show each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.